0: So perhaps no word in all of Christendom evokes such fear, such an ethereal response, that cold, hard, twisting feeling in the stomach, like the word evangelism. Evangelism. See, for many, when they hear the word evangelism, it evokes images in their minds of going and knocking on some stranger's door all the while hoping that the person on the other side of that door is actually wearing pants. (laughs) Or it evokes memories in their mind of times where they felt like they had to go up to their group of friends and somehow try to figure out how they insert Jesus into a conversation about puppies. Or maybe it evokes in their minds this thought of that person standing on the street corner, holding a sign, screaming at the top of their lungs at random strangers that they need to turn or burn. Or perhaps when you hear the word evangelism, it evokes in your mind images of a Billy Graham or a Reinhard Bonnke preaching to the masses, and you remember how you almost wet your pants in high school when you had to give a speech to 12 people, 11 of them who weren't even paying attention, and it makes you think, nope, no way, evangelism is just not for me. And what happens is this can lead to a belief that evangelism and sharing our faith has to be this terribly pushy and scary thing, or that it's only for the superstars of the faith or people that are really, truly extroverted, or maybe people that just have a supernatural gifting of God on their lives for it. Well, I have good news for you today. It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. And so today, we are going to bring our seven-week Foundational Truth series to a close by taking a fresh look at this idea of evangelism. And we are going to talk about evangelism in the context of us becoming an externally focused people and an externally focused church. See, if someone were to ask me to boil down into one simple statement what the Christian walk is all about, I would simply say this it is to know Christ and then make him known. If you want to boil it all down and just have one pithy little statement, it's to know Christ and to make him known. Everything we have studied over the last six weeks of foundational truths align to those two categories. The truths we've studied are centered around how we can know Jesus in a deeper way, how we can encounter him in ways that change us and prepare us And then how we can go out into our world to make him known to others. And today we're going to focus a lot of attention on that second part about making him known. So let me run through our foundational truths that we've studied. We've gone through six. Today is the seventh one in this series. We started with the foundation to all foundations. That is truth. That is truth. Jesus is truth and he is revealed in the Bible which is the standard of truth. We looked at the power of the Holy Spirit and studied how the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church to enable us to be bold witnesses of Christ and to also operate in those supernatural giftings that he has for us. We studied the presence of the Holy Spirit, and we learned how we must learn to host him in our lives and in the church because his presence is the very source of that power. We looked at prayer and we saw how the church is called to be a house of prayer, that prayer is a fundamental reason as to why we gather and that it's a powerful tool for seeing change because prayer serves as a bridge from what currently is to what should be. We then looked at love and we saw how the biblical definition of love is so much greater than what the world defines it as, that love is not merely an emotion or a feeling, but it's a choice that we make and it looks like something that can be demonstrated in and through our lives towards the world. And then last week, we saw that how each and every one of us is a vital part of the body of Christ, and every single one of us has a role to play to see Christ fully represented, represented in his church, and specifically through this church, Bethel. And so today, we're going to start by defining what exactly it means to be an externally focused church, and then we're going to see that we all get to play a part in this. We're going to look at the importance of relational evangelism, and then we're going to talk really super practically about ways that we can all get involved. And so what does it mean for believers in a church to be externally focused? We're going to start in 2 Timothy chapter 4, if you want to turn there. 2 Timothy chapter 4, just one verse today to start, verse 5. The Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, he says, But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Particularly notice, do the work of an evangelist. So 2 Timothy is one of the most personal and intimate writings in all of the Bible. It is a letter from the Apostle Paul to Timothy, who he often referred to as his son in the faith. And in many ways, this book is essentially a farewell letter. So, Paul at this time was imprisoned in Rome by the Emperor Nero, who was probably one of the most evil human beings that has ever walked the face of the earth. And this is the second imprisonment for Paul in Rome that takes place after the imprisonment that you can read about in Acts chapter 28. And whereas in that first Roman imprisonment, you see Paul hopeful and he's believing that he eventually is going to be freed, here in this letter to Timothy during his second Roman imprisonment, Paul fully expects that he is going to be put to death for his faith, which indeed was carried out not too long after this letter was written. And so Timothy at this time was serving as a pastor in the church at Ephesus. And though Timothy was fulfilling his role as a pastor, Paul, in this verse that we read, tells him that he also needs to do the work of an evangelist. So here we have Timothy. He is called to be a pastor. He is called to be a shepherd of the church. And while pastoring would be more focused internally on taking care of the congregation, taking care of the flock, it's more internally focused Paul was reminding him, Timothy, you also can't forget to look externally. Timothy, even though you've been called to be a pastor over this flock, you also need to perform the work of an evangelist. In other words, don't just be so internally focused in your duties, but make sure that the church you've been called to pastor also maintains a strong external focus. So being externally focused means that we as God's people in his church prioritize our mission to take the gospel outside the four walls of a church building. We prioritize that. Being externally focused is to be ingrained in the culture of a church who recognizes that God has placed us in the midst of a community with clear direction that we are to love and care for them, make disciples, and advance his kingdom. In other words, the church is not simply called to try to be known as the best church in the community, but rather we are called to be the best church for the community. Right? We have a phenomenal church here with phenomenal ministries. Love each and every one of them. Appreciate all that lead. But it's not just being the best church in the community. It's how do we become the best church community for our community. The best church for impacting the community with what God has called us to do. We want to be externally focused. See, the desire of the enemy is to try and cause churches and us as individuals to be internally focused. Now, when I was growing up, I had a Lhasa Apso named Henry. And that dog would be sitting there doing absolutely nothing, and he would catch a glimpse of his tail. Anybody have a dog like this? The next thing you know after he caught a glimpse of his tail is he would start spinning in circles, chasing after his tail. Chasing and chasing and chasing and spinning and spinning. He would do this quite often and for longer periods of time than you would expect. Just spin and spin and spin. And while he was spinning, he was completely unaware of everything that was happening around him. He would run into walls. He would bump into you. He would run into all sorts of things as he's just completely spinning in a circle, unaware of everything that is around him. He would spin and spin and spin and accomplish nothing of any value. Why do you think that the enemy tries to stir up strife in churches? Why does the enemy try to attack unity in the body? Why does the enemy put temptations and challenges in front of us as God's people It's his attempt to make us spin in circles, chasing after our own tail, not able to see the world around us and not accomplishing anything of value. The enemy wants to try and force the church to be internally focused only. And so he'll try to stir up strife, try to get us to start chasing our tail. He'll put a challenge or some difficulty in front of us to see whether or not we turn to God or if we start just spinning in a circle, chasing after that thing. It's his attempt to make us inward focus. But we are called to have an external focus, to focus outside of ourselves and outside the four walls of this building. See, we have an amazing opportunity every week to come together and to encounter God here to enter into his presence, to hear his word and see him do amazing things. But that should always be seen as preparation for the rest of the week. God desires to pour into our lives so that we can go out of the four walls of this church and pour into other people's lives as well. There must be an outlet from our lives and an outlet from the church. Jesus said in John 7 that we would receive streams of living water. He did not say we would receive a lake. It's streams where it's supposed to flow in and then flow out. God wants to pour into your lives so that you can go pour into the lives of others. And there's great danger if we don't. See, if we don't have an outlet, then we can end up like the Dead Sea. Does anybody know why it's called the Dead Sea? Well, that was the easiest question ever. Anybody? Everything's Dead. You didn't trust me. You're like, that's too easy. I'm not answering because there's got to be something. So you didn't trust me on that. It's the Dead Sea because everything inside of it is dead. It's located between Israel and the Jordan. The water inside of it is like 10 times saltier than ocean water. What's sort of wild about the Dead Sea is that it's actually fed by freshwater springs. So the Dead Sea receives good, fresh water that flows into it, But it contains no outlet, and so the mineral content becomes extremely concentrated to the point where nothing can live in it. See, our lives are the same, and the culture of the church is the same. We can receive fresh water from the Lord. We can receive good things from the Lord, but we must then have an outlet for them. What the Lord does in our lives must then flow into the lives of others. We are blessed so that we can be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. So back to Timothy here. Paul tells him that he must do the work of an evangelist. The big question to answer then is what is the work of an evangelist? And it may be slightly different than many people would answer because I would argue the primary purpose of an evangelist is not to evangelize. That's a secondary purpose. Let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 4 and take a look there. Ephesians four, eleven to thirteen. It says, So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So in these verses there is teaching around the fivefold ministry or the fourfold ministry, if you put pastor and teacher together. And Paul is teaching that God has called certain people into offices in the church to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, one important side note here. Some people say that some of these offices are not for today. Mainly, you'll hear people say, well, there's really not prophets and apostles today. Well, I don't believe that to be the case. First, it seems odd to me, that there are churches that fully accept that there are pastors, evangelists, and teachers, but they somehow reject that there's apostles and prophets, although they are all named alongside of each other in this verse. Makes no sense to say that there's pastors and teachers and evangelists, but apostles and prophets aren't for today, when they're named right here in this verse with no qualifiers. And then second, the very verses tell us that these offices will exist until when? Verse 13 until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So I don't believe we've reached that point yet. And so I believe all of these offices continue as God continues to pour into His church and take us further. And that last verse should be very encouraging for you, because you can see what God's desire for His people is, is that we as the church would attain to the measure of the fullness of Christ. God's still got more for his church. He's not done yet. So these verses clearly define what the work of the offices are for. It's verse 12, to equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ can be built up. And so these offices are given to prepare God's people, his body, to perform the works of service. This ties back to what we said last week, that every believer in the body of Christ has a vital role to play. You have a vital role to play in God's body. And these verses are teaching that these offices have been given so that God's people can be prepared. So let's walk through an example of this, and then we'll get it in in the context of evangelists. So if you have someone who is called as a prophet, their primary responsibility is not to be the high and mighty one that always prophesies and always has the word from God and is the only one who can hear from God. Rather, their main role is to teach, prepare, and equip other believers to hear from God and speak prophetically and to create a prophetic culture. See what I'm saying here? The prophet, someone that's called into the role of prophet, doesn't mean that they are just the one that I'm the only one that hears from God, you need to listen to me all the time. They may have a strong prophetic gifting on their life where they prophesy, but their main role is to actually equip God's people for works of service, so their main role is to teach other people how they can hear from the Lord and how they can speak prophetically. It's unhealthy and even dangerous if you have one person who wants to claim to be the only one hearing from God, and I believe many churches have gone astray and have gone in bad directions due to this. You've heard it, you've probably seen it, where there's churches where this person rises up as the prophet in the church and they get the ear of leadership and they start steering that church whichever way they want to go. That's not God's desire. His desire is he raises up people into these offices to prepare the body to be able to do those things. And so in a similar manner, what this means in the context of an evangelist is that their primary role is to not be the only one going out to evangelize an entire town and community, but rather their role is to be the one who helps to encourage God's people, the body of Christ, to go out and to do the work. The evangelist is called to raise up the body to evangelize. To help create a culture in the church where people have a desire and are empowered to go share their faith. That is the role of the evangelist. See, it's unhealthy if we view the evangelist as the only one who should be evangelizing. Because the impact of one person going out to spread the gospel is going to be so limited in comparison to the entire body going out and spreading the gospel message. The evangelist is to raise up others to evangelize. And so Timothy was told to do the work of an evangelist. Paul wasn't saying, Timothy, go out and start just proclaiming Jesus in the streets and do this all on your own. He was saying, Timothy, raise up your church to be a people that go out and share their faith. Timothy, even as you're pastoring that church, make sure that you're doing the work of an evangelist and preparing people to have a hunger and a desire to go forth and share the faith into the community. Timothy, make sure your church is externally focused. See, a number of times through the years, youth pastoring, I would have a student come to me and they would say something along the lines of, man, I sure wish you could just come to my school and tell all of my friends about Jesus. Well, man, I wish I could come to your school and just preach Jesus as well, but the fact of the matter is they don't need me to because they should be the ones going and telling their friends about Jesus. My job as their youth pastor was to also perform the work of an evangelist by helping to prepare them to be able to go to their friends and tell them about Christ and to share their faith with them. The verses from Ephesians clearly teach that all of God's people are called to the works of service, so all of us should be looking for opportunities to share our faith. See, all of us are called to do this because all of us can make a significantly greater impact than just a few of us or one person doing this. God has placed each and every one of us into a mission field. That we have an opportunity to represent, to represent Christ to the people we come into contact with every single day. See, the truth of the matter is that every single person who names Jesus as their Savior has been called into full-time ministry. Every single person that names the name of Jesus has been called into a lifetime of full-time ministry. Once you receive Christ in your life, there is no division of sacred and secular because whatever we do, we are called to do it unto God. All things are to be done unto God. They're all holy unto him. They are all things that we can offer to him as worship. We need to be a church and a body of believers who see the world around us and recognize that we have been placed here at this time and in this place to bring the truth of Christ to them. We need full-time ministers for sure, but we also desperately need born again on fire for Jesus teachers and doctors and nurses and plumbers and mechanics and builders, and salespeople, and managers, and cashiers, and stockers, and truck drivers, and on and on. We need on fire for Jesus people in all professions and in all places. Wherever God has you has become your mission field where you can show people Christ. And the fact of the matter is, this is sobering. We all have people in our lives that if we don't show them Christ and tell them about him, they may never hear it from anyone else. It is a sacred and most important responsibility. In the same way, this church, Bethel Assembly of God, has been placed in a specific community, community, with the same calling to show people Jesus. And I know that with everything going on in our lives and the busyness of all of these things, it sometimes can get easy to have that tunnel vision where we don't necessarily see the needs and the opportunities given to us. And I believe that's why Jesus in John 4:35 so appropriately said, look up because the fields are ripe for the harvest. We need to look up. We need to not be so focused in and downward and all of these things, but we need to look up. And when we do, we see that those fields are truly ripe and people are waiting for us to come reach them. So you say, well, what is the best way to reach them? The best way to reach them is to start building relationships with them. Start building relationships with them What I believe is most needed in our day and what will be most effective is relational evangelism. Relational evangelism. Let's be honest. Most people are not predisposed to the gospel. So many people today, they're completely skeptical of Jesus, and so many people even oppose him. So many don't see their need of him. There are so many lies spread as truth across the Internet that we live in a culture that is not all that receptive to the gospel which doesn't mean it isn't possible to make an impact because the early church, as I said earlier, went to pagan, idol-filled, demonic cities with the gospel and saw great impact. So we must recognize that there is a battle in the spiritual realm that we don't see with our physical eyes that manifests itself in the physical realm that we do see, and it's taking place. 2 Corinthians 4.4 four. It says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so this verse tells us that the enemy has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from receiving the gospel. And so how do we respond? It would just be a little bit later in 2 Corinthians 10. Paul says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so it starts by relying on divine power to demolish strongholds. This begins with prayer. We had a foundational truth about the power of prayer. We are called a house of prayer. We must be a prayerful people. That is how we begin to demolish those strongholds. It's through prayer. But Paul then goes on to say that we also demolish those strongholds and arguments and pretensions. So the word pretensions there can also figuratively mean a barrier. And so what Paul is telling us here is that there are sometimes barriers in people's lives that need to be removed in order for them to see God, to see who he is and what he wants to be in their lives. And so the best way to do this is through prayer and by building a bridge and forming relationships with people where we can speak into their lives. See, the vast majority of people do not accept Christ the first time they hear the gospel. Sometimes what we need to do is what this verse tells us, and that is we need to remove some barriers in their lives that are keeping them from seeing Jesus for who he is. So J. Gresham Mackin, who was a theologian in the early 20th century, wrote this. He said, God usually exerts his power, and he's talking about the power to save, in connection with certain prior conditions of the human mind, and it should be ours to create so far as we can with the help of God, those favorable conditions for the reception of the gospel, false ideas are the greatest obstacle to the reception of the gospel. See, this is why relational evangelism is so important in our day. He wrote these words a hundred years ago, and I believe they're more, even more appropriate now. And what he was saying is that false ideas and lies and bad experiences and all of these things can serve in people's lives as barriers and blockers to them receiving Christ. And so relational and intentional are two words that should be on the list of the most important words if we are going to reach people for Christ. We are called to be intentional and relational. In other words, to intentionally build relationships with people because it's in the context of relationship that the space is created for helping people overcome those barriers and tearing down those false arguments and lies that people have believed. It's in the context of relationship where that space is created for you to get one-on-one or in a group with folks And hear the barriers and identify the things that are keeping them from being open to the gospel. And in the context of relationship, you can begin to do what Paul says. And we demolish those arguments. We demolish those barriers that are keeping people away from Christ. Now more than ever in a world that has so much falsehood, so much fakeness, where people prank other people and then post it on the internet for the entire world to see, the fact of the matter is people just don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Now more than ever, now more than ever, people just really don't care how much we know until they know that we actually care about them. So we must be intentional in loving people, showing people through our actions who Jesus is, sharing the truth within with them and helping them to overcome barriers to the reception of the gospel. Can I get that next slide up here? The one with the chain links. So I showed this last year, but it doesn't hurt to show it again. Do we have that one? Okay. All right. There's a one. Oh, I really need the slide. This won't work without the slide. (laughs) Pressure's on. No pressure. Love you, Dan. Whoever else is up there, I can't see that, Marilyn. All right. Well, I'm going to keep going here. So if you were here last year, I showed this slide, and hopefully we'll show it again Um, And this is this way that I like to describe evangelism for folks, right? And so you can kind of get a picture here while they kind of get that. I like to think of evangelism as links on a chain. All right, so think of a long chain that is made up of a whole bunch of different links. This is how I like to explain how evangelism works. See, for every single person that comes to Christ, there are a series of events, conversations, interactions, truths that they hear... God encounters that bring them closer to the point that they accept Christ. Each of those things can be thought about like adding a link to a chain. So every single interaction that we have with someone where we share Christ with them, when we pray for them, when we help to just break down one of those barriers in their mind to the gospel, think of it like adding a link to a chain that's bringing them just a little bit closer to that decision point of accepting Christ. See, through our life's witness, our actions towards them, our love, praying for them, telling them about who Christ is when we have the chance. Now, what we know is that some people's link chains are very short. So there's just a few links on that chain before they decide that, yes, I'm going to receive Christ. We know that other people's chains are very long. It takes a long time and many links on that chain to bring them to the point they accept Christ. And then for other people, it may be an incomplete chain. There may be some links that have been added, but there's still some things going on in their life where they've not yet gotten to the point where they are willing to accept Christ. And so we need to think about this as adding links to the chain. And it could be sometimes that we add the very last link to the chain, and the conversation we have with them leads them to the point where they say, yes, I want to accept Christ, and we get to pray with them to receive Christ. It's amazing. It's awesome. A wonderful time. But what we also shouldn't discount is there are going to be other times where we speak with them, we pray with them, we help remove a barrier, and we add a link to that chain. But it may just be one more link on that journey to bring them closer to Christ. It may simply be a link along the way, but we have to remember that every link is important as the others because even one broken link destroys a chain. Right? I want this to just alleviate some stress off of you when it comes to sharing your faith. Because sharing our faith doesn't need to just be measured by, did they say a prayer to accept Christ? Many people get discouraged in sharing their faith because they've not yet had that experience where they've prayed with somebody to receive Christ. It doesn't mean you failed in sharing your faith because when you share your faith with people, you're adding a link to that chain and bringing them just a little bit closer and a little bit closer. And so if you've not had that experience yet, I just encourage you to continue to share your faith and look for those opportunities. Every single link on that chain is important. See, success when it comes to sharing our faith should be measured by, did we add a link that bring, brought them closer to the point of accepting Christ? Did we bring them a little bit closer to accepting Christ? See, being externally focused people in an externally focused church is really about lifestyle evangelism. Right? I don't want this to just be something that we hype ourselves up to do a couple of times a year. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but there's certain places where they essentially view evangelism as we get people to show up twice a year, and we get them all hyped up, and then we send them out, and they go do their thing, and then we're done for the rest of the year. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that necessarily, but this is about lifestyle evangelism where we view every single day of our lives as the opportunity to go add a few links to people's chains. Every single day, intentionally building relationships with people and looking for opportunities to add some links to their chain. See, this is something we all can do. We can love people where they are at, we can reveal truth to them, we can listen to them and the concerns that they have, the barriers that are preventing them from receiving the truth. We as a church and we as individuals should be chain builders and externally focused people who give of ourselves to bring people closer to Christ. All right, so you may be sitting there saying, I agree with you. Evangelism's for me, it's for everybody. How can I get going with this? So what I would like to do now is just take a little bit of time and get super practical. And I wanna walk you through some ways that you can play your part in this. So let's start, oh, there it is, thank you. (laughs) You guys are awesome, thank you so much. So there it is, so in the top we see somebody who had just a short chain, a few interactions, a few things, and it brought them to the point that they received Christ. In the middle you see somebody whose chain is a bit longer, It took a little bit more. It took more interactions. They had a few more barriers up, but eventually they received Christ. And at the bottom, you see somebody whose chain is not yet complete. And so what we're called to do is simply add those links to the chain to bring them closer to Christ. And every single one of the links on those chains is just as important as the others. Let's be those that build links on chains. So let's get super practical now. Let me walk you through some ways that you can play your part in this. So let's start in our personal lives. I have found the single easiest way to have an opportunity to share my faith with someone is to simply ask how they're doing. And to not just do it out of the sort of, oh, I see this person, hey, how are you doing? Oh, you're great, I'm great, to have a great day. But to sincerely ask people how they are doing and then listen. Because we've all been through the motions with a friend, a neighbor, a worker, a classmate, We ask them how the weekend was, how their summer is going, how the year is going, how vacation was, and so many times people respond with, well, my kids are sick, my husband is going through a tough time at work, I have this going on. They respond with something similar that they're facing. Recognize that they just tossed you the easiest softball in the history of mankind. If you're externally focused and you're thinking about this, when somebody responds in that sort of manner, they just tossed you the easiest softball in the world because it's so easy for you to say, hey, would it be okay if I pray with you about that? It's a softball, guys. It's a home run every single time if we recognize it. See, note I said pray with you. Don't tell them, yeah, I'll pray about that, and then we forget and we don't ever actually pray about it. Right, Be ready around here, guys, because if I come to you and I ask you how you're doing and you tell me you have a prayer need, I'm going to say, let's pray about it right now, unless I'm late for getting back from announcements and things and I'm holding up the service. But most of the time, it's going to be, let's pray about that right now. But if somebody tells you that they're going through something, it is the perfect opportunity to simply offer to pray with them about it. It's a perfect opportunity to let them know that you believe there is a God who loves them and cares about them and what they're going through, and it may just open that door for further conversation there or in the future. See, in the same way, if they ask how you are doing, how your weekend was, or anything else, let them know about what's taking place in the church Let them know about something God is doing in your life. I know a lot of times it's just this formality. Hey, how are you? I'm great. You're great. Awesome. Let's go about our day. Let's slow down a little bit and let's really truly listen. When we are externally focused, small talk can lead to consequential talk very easily without forcing awkward conversations because we simply look for those opportunities to discuss our faith. It's showing people that we care and we believe there is a God who cares about them as well. It's recognizing that every single day, we all probably have opportunities and conversations with people we interact with to simply share our faith with them if we're focused in that way. And if the worship team wants to go ahead and prepare to come. Now, as a corporate body, we want to get the name of Bethel out into this community. We want people to know that there is a church that truly loves them, cares about them, and is taking steps to show this. There is a lot going on at this church that you can get engaged in. And I said we're going to get very practical, so I want to walk you through some of these things. There are a lot of opportunities that are available where you can get involved to make an impact. See, we need you for special events like Light the Night and VBS. Light the Night is coming up in October and you can get involved by volunteering to help that night, by donating supplies and also getting the word out and inviting people. These are bridge building events. They build a bridge to the community to let the community know that we love them and we want to connect with them. Now, I love these type of events. Right? If you're here for Light the Night, you're going to see me running around trying to talk to every single person that comes. I love these events, but they can't be the end-all be-all. See, many churches, they run outreach events a few times a year, and then they wonder why they don't see people just flocking to their church. Well, it's because events like this should be a part of an overall effort to build relationships with the community. They're only effective as part of an overall strategy of community engagement. And I want you to know that we are working hard in that area. I will never ask you all to do something that myself and the other leaders of this church are not willing to do. So we recently had a table at both National Night Out and Good Old Days where we're able to speak with many members of the community. We're gonna look for more of those opportunities. We've been mailing thank you cards to Littlestown businesses. So far we have sent out 31 handwritten thank you cards to small businesses in Littlestown thanking them for serving the community and letting them know we are praying for them. We could start outside of Littlestown if we had a few more people who are willing to write. If you want to start thanking some of the businesses in your community where you live, come talk to me, we'll get it going. We'll send some thank you cards to them as well. We've been able to connect with some of these businesses who have emailed us back thanking us for their prayer, giving us prayer requests, things we can pray about. Let's expand that beyond little beyond Littlestown. Pastor Bree and I are in contact with the high school. So many of you donated last year when we collected supplies and goodies for the teachers and provided every Littlestown high school teacher a thank you bag from the church. On Monday, October 9th of this year, we will be providing lunch that includes God's chicken from Chick-fil-A to those teachers at Littlestown high school. The anointing is gonna be all over that chicken and they are gonna encounter God with that. But we could use some resources for that. We need money to go towards that. You could help out with that. We'll be starting some advertising in the near future through new mover postcard mailings and through Facebook. Man, maybe you're sitting here and you have some skills that we could use in technology. I will put it out there publicly. I want to redo our website so bad. If you have website skills, you have technology skills in that area, I'd love to get our website revamped. I'd love to get our Instagram page going. So if you are interested in Instagram, some of you are like, what is that? That's okay. But if you know what Instagram is and you're interested in helping out with that, that is a way that you can get involved and it's a face to our community. If you are on Facebook, I wanna encourage you to follow Bethel's page add me as a friend, and then share the content that is posted there so that we can get a broader reach with it. Very practical today. See, technology can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. Let's use it as a good thing. I want to turn social media into social ministry. See, I'm going to continue to push Adopt-A-Street. I'm going to push it. We have around 20 streets in Littlestown that are still not yet adopted. And so if you go out those doors right to the left, you'll see the big poster of Littlestown. We have 20 more streets that we need to adopt. And when we do, we will have every street in Littlestown covered in prayer. If you've adopted a street, I encourage you to be praying for that street. And then I encourage you to go visit that street. If you're able, walk the street. If you're not able, drive the street. And wouldn't you just know, God's gonna give you opportunities to talk to people that you've been praying for and they don't even know it. We can be externally focused through our giving. See, when you give your tithe and you give an offering to the church, you enable the work that God is doing here to continue forward. When you give an offering into missions, you enable the work that God is doing through that missionary or that missions organization to continue forward. See, the Bible says that we are to be cheerful givers. And the question is how can I be a cheerful giver? Well, I can be a cheerful giver when I recognize that when I give, I get to take something that's temporal and I get to turn it into something that's eternal. That's an amazing thought. I don't know if you got that one. When we give, we get to take something that is temporal. I get to take this $10 that's here today, gone tomorrow. I probably go buy a coffee and it doesn't really do much for me. I'm not saying you shouldn't buy coffee. But when we give, I get to take this money that's here today and gone tomorrow and I get to invest it into the kingdom and it leads to people's lives being impacted for all of eternity. I take something temporal and I turn it into something eternal. I love to give because when I give, I know I am doing something that is gonna change lives forever. I'm looking forward to preaching some time on giving. I really am. I had a pastor one time who told me it was his least favorite topic to teach on. And my response to him was, it sounds like you have a wrong perspective on giving. When we have the right perspective, it's an exciting thing because giving allows every single one of us to make an impact that will last for all of eternity. Simple things like what I spoke about above, the teacher's lunch, advertising, they can all be supported through giving. From a missions perspective, Bethel was supporting 19 different organizations or families that are missionaries or carrying out the work of the Lord. Well, I am excited to announce that this past week, we've been able to take on two more missionaries that we are starting to support monthly. Do we have that slide? Yes, we got it. What you see here are some missionaries. Can we go to the next one then? There we go. Let's start with this one. This is Daniel and Sarah Bricker. You may remember that they were here recently. They are missionaries to Cambodia. We are starting to support them at $100 a month because you've given. And if we can go back to that previous slide, this one brings so much joy to my heart. This is Caleb and Toctum Fisher. These were missionaries that Bethel previously supported, but because of some financial difficulties this church has walked through, we had to stop supporting them. We're taking them back on as of this week. How many people wanna believe that every single missionary that Bethel previously supported, we will support once again? We're talking hundreds, but I'm believing that God's gonna do it. Every single missionary that we supported previously, I wanna believe that God will enable us to support them once again. Because when we give to missions, when you give to missions, when you take your offering and say, I'm putting this into missions, you are enabling people like the fishers and the Brickers to take the gospel to places where it may not even be preached. And you take that temporal resource that's here today and gone tomorrow, and you turn it into something that impacts eternity. Bethel supports the Good News Club. Most of you know Stephen and Hannah Davis. They meet Wednesday afternoons in Tawnytown Elementary School. They have close to a hundred children that come there. Now you can imagine with that many kids, it's madness. They need some volunteers. They need our help. They need us to support them. I know it's difficult for some with work, but if you are available Wednesday afternoons and you are able to help out with that, it is an incredible ministry that they have going right there in the public schools. We have New Hope Center right here on our lot. They need volunteers, they need helpers to make that ministry go forward. Both Good News Club and New Hope, they need donations to enable those things to go forward. You can donate your time, you can donate your resources. You can help us to get the word out. Invite some people to services here. Invite them, and don't don't just invite them once and then give up. Sometimes you just gotta wear people down. That's biblical, remember the persistent widow? It's biblical. Sometimes you just got to wear some people down and you just invite them and you invite them and you invite them because they don't know that God has something amazing here for them. But they may just eventually give in and say, all right, whatever, I'll go. Just wear them down. Next week, we are gonna have an incredibly special service because we are gonna celebrate the start of a new season here at Bethel. We are celebrating the new things that God is gonna do. We are gonna have the district superintendent, Don Immel, from the Pendel District with us. We're gonna have a pastoral installation, but I want the focus of that to be on the fact that this is a new season for Bethel where God is gonna do greater things than what we can fathom. I wanna encourage you all to invite a few people to that service next week. Use it as an opportunity to invite somebody. And now I pose to you, What else can we be doing? What else can we be doing? What is the dream that God has put on your heart for ways that we can reach into our community? Don't hold it back. Don't sit on that thing. Come and talk to me and we can figure out how we take a dream in your heart and we turn it into reality. I can tell you, I have some crazy, crazy dreams in my heart about what God is gonna do in the years to come through this church. And at the right time, I'll share some of them with you, but I don't wanna scare you right now. But he's got big, amazing things that he wants to do through this body. If you are sitting here today and you want to get involved and you just don't know how, please come talk to me. Or you can just shoot me an email. It's simple, Pastor Josh at bethelag.com. Just shoot me an email and say, Pastor Josh, I want to get involved. I want to get involved in outreach. I want to be externally focused. I want to do my part to reach our community. I encourage all of us, find an area where we can get involved. Let's make it known to our community that we are here representing a God that loves them and cares for them. All right, one last thought for me today, and then we'll land this plane. We get to do this. We get to do this. It's not that we have to do this. I've heard quite a few sermons through the years that it essentially is browbeating people down that you need to get out there and you gotta tell your neighbors and you gotta knock on doors. And it's this mentality of, oh man, I'm a Christian, so I have to do this. No, guys, we get to do this. We get to do this. See, I wanna dedicate my life to what is most valuable. What's the most valuable thing in this world? It's what will last for eternity. It's people. It's people. I want to dedicate my life to what is most valuable, and what is most valuable is people. And I think I've said this before, but I'm going to say this over and over again through the years, so forgive me, but I want to be able to stand in heaven someday, and I want to be able to point to people and say that that person is in heaven, at least in part, because of the way that I chose to live my life. In other words, they are in heaven in part because I prayed for them. I witnessed to them. I donated items to an outreach or an event or a ministry that blessed them and opened their hearts to the gospel, that I gave of my time to serve. I took my time on a busy day to slow down and just show them some love. I want to be able to say that I added some links to people's chains because that's how you live a life that matters for eternity. You impact people for Jesus. It's an amazing thing that we get to play a part in the most important mission history will ever know. And that is seeing people's lives in this world impacted with the gospel message. And so let's be a people and let's be a church that is focused externally and let's make an impact that will resound throughout all of eternity. So here's how I'd like to end today. If you wanna go ahead and stand to your feet. take a few moments and I want to intercede over our community. I want to intercede over our community. Do you understand what I'm saying? For these next few minutes, I don't want to just pray little simple prayers. Oh God, just bless our community. Lord, help us. For the next few minutes, I want to challenge you to let deep intercession rise up from your very belly, the very depths of who you are over our community and let's pray over this community and let's intercede over this community. So right now, why don't you just go ahead and begin to intercede for this community? Come on, I want you to pray over Littlestown and the surrounding region like you would want somebody praying over you. I don't want little wimpy prayers right now. I want big, bold prayers and declarations of what God wants to do in this community. Come on, just begin to intercede over our community, over Littlestown, over Adams County, York County, Carroll County. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.